Wayne, are you ready for the after show? Thanks so much. And yeah, I'm ready. All right, cool. So here's the spiel. You've already heard it once. You're going to hear it again. I'm tired of talking. Well, I'm tired of asking questions. I'm ready to start giving answers. This is no longer my show. This is now your show. You can ask whatever questions you want for as little or as long as you want. There is no time limit. But from this point on, the show is yours. All right. Uh, yeah. So I guess continuing our conversation when it comes to like utilizing resources to build out a project, like what are some of your resources that you use to, um, build out a project of yours and tell me like, uh, if you read into any like roadblocks, how did you solve that? For me being a Python developer, primarily, I I'm in like this weird position to where I, I love Python, but I also love doing stuff for the web. So it's mm-hmm. like every obstacle I run into is JavaScript related. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> I want, I want to be able to use Django and like Vue.js at the same time. And it's like, well, Django templates use the same syntax as like Vue.js. So it, it gets ugly <laughs> and you got to start like finding ways around it and changing variable names and stuff. But Ultimately, I, I would say I have I've been on a huge static kick. So it's like anything that I can throw into a flat file. You're like, here's a JSON. I'm like, I love JSON. Like, I can do a lot with a JSON file. Like, let's make mm-hmm. we can we can make magic happen. And I think that that will change at some point. The thing I do like about static is it's free and it's always free. Like you're only paying for the space that you're taking up. You're not paying for compute. Mm -hmm. But I do understand that there's, there's definitely a need for like ongoing data. Like I would, I would love to have a project that's like just steadily growing. And, and in some ways I do like there, I'm not one to, to be like, I'm all about the no code lifestyle or anything like that. Like, I, I use tools as tools. So if I need a database, I'm going to throw up a SQLite database if I need to. If I need something bigger than SQLite, then I will look for like an Airtable database because I already pay for an Airtable account and it's pretty much free, you know. And then once I get beyond that and it's like, no, I need a real data. I need like some a real, real database. <laughs> real time. <laughs> That's when it's like, all right, let me log into my Linode account, spin up a new $5 server, and then like throw up a Postgres database on there and then and then roll with it. But that's few and far between. Um, for me, the biggest the biggest hassle is always like a layer of knowledge. Like I think that's the thing about development that most people don't think to 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 grok is like you can be programming for like a year and you're like, oh man, I didn't learn. I didn't know this thing called mapping existed and it's going to like completely change how I do programming. (laughs) And then like five years later, you're like, oh man, I didn't realize that there was a package that did all of this stuff that I'm trying to rebuild right now that I don't have to think about it anymore. <laughs> and it's it's like the same concept. It's just bigger. It's like you might know about a thing, but a, a good example of this earlier today, uh, I'm working on my static site generator and I'm like, dang, I get to this point where I need to create 
a smaller object inside of my existing object that also has a pointer to the object itself. And I'm like, this is extremely confusing. And then like last night I'm like live streaming it and I'm like a hundred lines of code just trying to solve this problem. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, this hurts my brain all like this. And then like I have one conversation with somebody and I'm like, wait a minute. If I move this over here, I can cut out 50 lines of code. This is awesome. I'm going to do that now. And then it's like, well, wait a minute. I can take these 30 lines of code and turn it into like this one frame, like this one package that I just have to import that's built into standard library that I don't have to worry about. And now I've literally turned 100 lines of code into like 12. And it's just like, oh, you get so mad at yourself because while you're in the thick of it, you're just like, there's no way I can do this. There's like, it, it's impossible. Like it's too complicated. It's a lot of stuff. And then you build it out and you're like, it's ugly. It's unruly. And then you just start looking around and replacing bits and pieces of it. And then eventually like you've replaced the whole thing with like 10 lines of code. And you're just like, well, I wasted three hours to learn, you know, to learn about this <laughs> one little thing. Yeah. Like for me, I've, ran into those like problems where it's just oh maybe i'm trying to figure out how to do a po i guess a post request to my back end and i came up with this error and i'm like wait why is this error happening and it it's just like takes hours to try to debug and then you realize oh i just was missing something here oh and then it magically works and i'm like wow i spent five hours on this one small problem and i have six years experience so it's like like is my years of experience mean nothing at this point when it comes to solving like minuscule problems like that i i think it's like you start out understanding you know nothing and then you spend like the next couple of years trying to learn. And then by like year, like three or four, you're like, all right, I got this. Like, I know some things. I had someone ask me today. They were like, how comfortable are you with the languages that you know? And I'm like, how do I say this without being a jerk? Like, nah, I got this. Like, this is my <laughs> language. <laughs> like, cause... like for me, for me, I say like, yeah, I got this. i been dabbling in javascript and php for five years i got this and internally i'm like i don't got this at all exactly <laughs> it's like you get you're like yeah i'm 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 confident with this and then they say something you're like i don't know what he's talking about right now hold on <laughs> like what's, what's going on like do do i really got this and then all of a sudden they're like oh yeah no no great job great job and they're like oh i guess i did have this so uh cool <laughs> yeah and like, I guess what, um, I guess my next question is, uh, what got you into Twitch streaming in the first place? Um, part of it is just liking to play video games, honestly. Like, I mean, I've, I've been a video game streamer longer than I've been a developing <laughs> streamer. So, I mean, one of the things that I did a while back was, I mean, productivity and tech is technically a business. Like it's a business where I'm helping developers who are creating their own content. So a lot mm -hmm. of that's like podcast editing and video content and all that stuff. So part of it was seeing more and more people, seeing more and more developers actually 
live streaming the work that they're doing and going, is this, is this a, an area that I can move into business wise? And then from there it was like, all right, well, nobody in the programming space that's streaming knows what they're doing. Apparently like, that's the thing It's <laughs> like, we can all come to the consensus that we're all terrible at live streaming, <laughs> but well, speak for yourself. Um... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I will say I am pretty bad at it. <laughs> like, my, my whole thing is like, I want, I want a tool that's just going to do it all for me. Streamlabs is, is perfect. Nightbot's perfect. Like all that stuff. I have friends that are like, yo, I'm, I made this module that like, whenever someone follows me, like my, my webcam does three sixties and like the border around it changes colors and stuff. And I'm like, bro like i'm still checking alerts on my phone while i'm streaming like wait what did, what did this person say hold on yeah 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 that's it right there that's right there <laughs> but i quickly realized that like learning from developers on streaming was probably not going to be the best solution so then i went to video games and it was like all right these are the people that are making like tons of money doing this let me look at what they're doing and mm -hmm. see what can be carried over, see what little things are being done that are like the intangibles. Like, I think that that's the thing that a lot of people forget about when you're, whether you're podcasting, whether you're giving a, a conference talk, whether you're doing a live stream, there are a lot of things that don't get brought up when you're trying to learn how to do those things and they only come from experience in doing it. They come from maybe lessons learned. They come from, you know, just weird, like, Oh, I did a thing. It didn't really feel right. So now I know not to do that anymore. I mean, that's like right now, like if I want to mute my, my microphone, I have like a hot key that literally moves my mouse into the position that I can just click a button and oh, that's convenient. Immune. Exactly. So it's like, I don't have to be like, oh, hold on. I got a cough. I got a cough. It's, it's, it's like, I can literally <laughs> just hit a button silently and, and do something and then unmute it. And no one's, you know, none the wiser. And like the microphone that I'm using is not the microphone I've been using for like four years before this. It was like, I was using the blue Yeti, like, mm -hmm. and it was, it was like, I can't afford a fancy microphone. So let me figure out how I can get like the best audio out of this hundred dollar mic and just make it work. And, yeah. and that's the thing. Like my wife got me like a green screen when I started streaming and, and she, she just got the stand. She didn't get the mm -hmm. actual screen. So I was like, <laughs> I'm like about to do a live stream and I'm like running to Walmart to like, like, all right, well, no one sells green screens right now because everybody's trying to jump into the industry. So let me just go to Walmart and I'll get the closest thing to green that I can get in a bed sheet and just like <laughs> drape and it over Trying it to key it, it out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And trying to, and like the first time I did it, like my hair was all like half cropped out. And, you know, I learned real quick. I used to record podcasts like in my closet and I took like, I went to Goodwill and grabbed like a, a, three dollar quilt and just mm -hmm. nailed it to the wall of the closet and it worked as acoustic paneling and like yeah. <laughs> the the solution was like night and day and and like i said a lot of that stuff is stuff that you don't even think about 
until you've been doing it for so long and you're just like, man, this would be so much better if I just had like this one little solution, this one little thing. And I mean, live streaming is no different. So just, just jumped into it and then tried to learn and then just also tried to start helping people out. Yeah. Like for me, what I learned from watching uh, content creators on Twitch, specifically coding content creators, is that you learn a lot um, from watching people code, but you don't really retain that knowledge unless you actively um, code yourself. So for me, like whenever I watch some, I guess, a coder um, go through an algorithm problem or something like that, I try to do it myself. Um, trying to do it for memory, of course, but uh, seeing if I like actually learn something and apply it that way. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much good. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of like any other questions I would like to ask you. Um, I guess another question is like, for me personally, in my experience, um, as a black person of color, in this industry of um, web development, I always kind of feel that I don't really belong in terms of like the industry and I don't think I'm good enough. Um, have you ever had those thoughts when you're programming? And uh, if so, how do you like dispel those type of thoughts? Do I feel like I belong I feel, I'm, I'm trying to think of the right way to word this. I feel like I belong more now than I ever have. And that's coming from someone who is still trying to get into the industry formally to be like, hey, you mm -hmm. know, accepting my first job as a software engineer or as a developer advocate. Like what I've learned now is that I'm trying to, again, I'm trying to, I'm trying to word this so I don't seem like a jerk. <laughs> like <laughs> I grew up in an area where being told that I didn't belong was like now I got to prove you wrong. Mm -hmm. And it's like I'm not just going to show you that I belong. I'm going to show you that I know how to run the show. And like the worst thing that someone can do is to tell me that I'm wrong. Cause it's like, <laughs> you done did it now. Like now I'm going <laughs> to make it my, my life goal to prove to you that you're wrong. And in my mind, like I said, I've been trying to land into the industry for four years now. Mm -hmm. And I was constantly told like, Oh, if you want to do it, this is the way that you got to do it. And it's like, I can't go back to college. Like I've got a wife and a family that I, I, you know, provide for. I can't just quit my day job and join a coding boot camp and, and go that route. I don't have six months of life, say, you know, six months of, of money that we can just live off of. I don't have those mm -hmm. things. So what are my options? And they're like, well, you don't really have many options. And, and it's like, okay, see, this is, this is where defeatism comes in. And it's like, nah. That's not the case. The thing is, black people are very, very resilient. 
And that's the thing that I've learned just from, you know, we, we always hear about the black fathers that aren't there. Like I was lucky. Mm -hmm. I had, I had, you know, black men in my life that were like showing me, but the thing that they showed me was you got to work. Like you got to bust your ass and work. And that's what I did. And I was talking to, uh, you know, Brian Douglas. No, who's that? He's a he's a developer advocate over at GitHub. Great guy. Oh, okay. Yeah, really great guy. Actually, I, I should introduce y'all because I think I think y'all get along. But uh, another another brother that that works in the industry, and we were talking, and I, I told him, I said, you know, I'm still waiting to find the BET of the tech industry. Like, we will work until we own it. And then when mm-hmm. we own it, ain't nobody taking it. Like, what did we do to the NBA? We owned it, and then now ain't nobody getting it back from us. Like, yeah. what? Like Patrick Mahomes about to take quarterback and back, you know? And then we're gonna <laughs> own that too. Like, it's that's the thing is like when we Jordan Peele, like he owned he owns comedy now he owns producing. Like yep. Tyler Perry owns Black Hollywood. Like it's it's about to be a thing, and. Like telling Brian, like, I want to be there as we have Black Silicon Valley, which is kind of why I want to move to Atlanta because I feel like Atlanta is the place. It's, it's going. It be seems like, like Atlanta is going to be the place. <laughs> it's it's right there. So yeah. it's like I want to be there when Black entrepreneurs and Black founders and Black you know angel investors are like, we're gonna take people of color put them on the map we're gonna have our own version of facebook well we did it was called black planet that's gone now (laughs) (laughs) oh my god throwback (laughs) good times (laughs) but we're gonna we're gonna have those opportunities and it's not because we're not good enough for the industry it's not because we don't fit in the industry it's because the industry has worked for so long to not let us fit. And I, I firmly believe that. Like I sat there earlier today having a conversation with someone about black.net developers and just looking like, where y'all at? Like, tell me, where are the people of color at? Where are the women of color at in the .net space? And mm-hmm. I got plenty of, I got plenty, like I got plenty of like good examples. There are like 20 people who threw their name out. And, and at first you're like, that's 20 people. That's awesome. But then you're like, well, wait a minute. How many people are in the .NET space right now? Like how yeah. many, how many people are, are actually in that industry? And then I'm like, well, let me, let me check out the interviews online. And it's like, why do, why do, why do, why do? And it's like, dang, like. Is there a problem here? It shouldn't be this hard to find representation in a space. And I'm not saying that the people at the top are doing everything in their power to keep people out. But what I am saying is a lot of people see change as a threat in general. Mm-hmm. Like, 
this thing is working the way that it is. Why would we ever want to change it? Because if we change it, that brings in an opportunity for it to no longer work. So we're just going to keep doing the exact same things that we've been doing that have been silently just exiling people of color, exiling our women of color and making it so that every conversation that a black person has on a tech podcast has to bring up the diversity problem. Yeah. Like I had, I interviewed three black people like back to back to back. And by the third conversation, I was like, look, we are not talking about diversity in tech on this show. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Like, this but is- it's such a, but it's such a problem that like we, like it, we, it often comes up. So it's like, we're aware that this is a problem, but we just need to find an active solution to this problem. Part, but part of me it's is so relevant. I 100% agree that it is a problem. But I also wonder, like, the more and more that we talk about it being a problem instead of just shining, the more and more it's like our only space in the, the area is talking about the problem. And and that's that's why I was like so interested in in like your data visualization tool because it didn't just say black people are marginalized. It said there is a growing gun violence issue in in the city of New York. Mm-hmm. Black people are desperately affected by it, but the the entire city is impacted. Like it's yeah. not it's not just one group it's everybody one group is getting it worse than other people but it is everybody getting impacted and i love that we are having the conversations of like look this is a problem that needs to be addressed but i think what needs to happen is i I almost call it like the apple approach one of the things that i will give apple props for is they will bring you know women in the tech space and people of color onto their keynotes and not make it a big deal it's kind of mm-hmm. like, all right, here to talk about, you know, home kid is some brother that works in the in the department. Like, brother, go ahead. I don't even remember his name. I'm sorry. Like, I don't remember his name. <laughs> but it's, it's like, it wasn't a big deal. It wasn't like the first African-American to ever get on the stage. It was just like, nah, this, this is Jim. Like, Jim, get up here and talk. Like, th- that's what we do. <laughs> and until we, until the entire industry gets like that, we have to have people that when they get the mic, it's like, yes, I understand there's a problem, but I'm also here to put up numbers. I love that LeBron James can go out and drop 30 and then say, yeah, Black Lives Matter. If LeBron James was putting up, you know, three points a game and he was like, Black Lives Matter, people would be like, shut up. Nobody, nobody cares. <laughs> Who's this guy? But it's like your word becomes more important as you become more important to the industry. So for me, I have been wanting to work to take my place in the industry so that I can make that impact so that I can be like, all right, instead of just shouting black lives matter, I can run a business or I can work at the top of a, of a, some type of company and say like, I'm going to make it my responsibility to make sure that we are scouting at HBCUs. And, and that's kind of the direction that I've been wanting to take more and more where it's like, we've talked about this enough. And as much as I, I agree that we need to stay strong in bringing up the topic, 
we have to start showing that we are just as good. Okay. Gotcha. I totally understand. And I guess a little segue um, into your journey of being a Python developer um, and not coming from a traditional, I guess by traditional, I mean the whole college four-year um, background. Uh, how has that journey been for you, like learning um, program language and then um, trying to get interviews, knowing that the technical interviews is essentially could be nothing like your day-to-day -day job. And how did you overcome that? Simple. I didn't accept jobs that required a technical interview. That was, that was my <laughs> trick. It was like, look, I'm not about to do this. So... <laughs> And and sure that that hurts me in a lot of ways. Like that that takes a lot of good jobs off the table. I've I've had like one lady at Google that's emailed me like five times, like, "Hey, you ready to interview yet?" I'm like, "Nah, not yet, not yet." <laughs> <laughs> because it's like I know it's like I'm not gonna waste their time. I'm not gonna waste my time. One of the things that I did early on, and uh, dang, see, this is why this is why I want this to be the main show because there's so oh. much, such good content in it. Well, you can cut it up and nah, also nah, put nah, it nah, like nah, a main nah, show. Nah. Like, next season, next season, we're gonna I'm gonna do that. Um, it's gonna just be the main show. But <laughs> one of the good things about this era, there's like a really good blog post about this that was like, stop looking for mentors and start making friends. And mm -hmm. like, I have I have learned so much from people that I would call mentors that now would say like. Like, I can't mentor you. Like, the questions you're asking are, like, over my head. So, like, I, I don't know what to, I don't know what to tell you. Like, let's figure this out together. So, I personally think that the way that I learned Python, the reason I stuck with Python and the reason I haven't stuck in, I haven't stuck with, like, React or, like, just anything in the Node space was my friends are in Python. The people that I enjoy talking with, the people that I enjoy like mm -hmm. grabbing coffee with and like, you know, going to dinner after a conference and stuff, they're all Python developers. The people that are busting their butts to get me hired, they're all Python developers. Like mm -hmm. there are people that are on the Python Software Foundation that are like on the board that are straight up saying like, yes, I'm in a position of influence. I'm going to use that position to encourage people to interview you because I feel like you deserve that spot more than some of the other people you're more qualified for it than they are, even though you don't have the paper qualifications and mm -hmm. because their name is, you know, PSF board member or PSM PSF fellow, and they have clout in the industry. They can like, again, they matter. So yeah, yeah. for me, that wasn't like, I'm going to go reach out to these people and, and build a relationship. It was like, I'm going to show that I have like a passion and a hunger for doing this, that I'm capable of doing it. And then the people that I see that are also doing this, I'm going to, I'm going to get to know them. And then if I make it, I'm going to put them on. If they make it, they're going to put me on. And, mm -hmm. and I think that the industry has to operate like that. It, it, it no longer like as long as we are, trying and this is a conversation i have with cecil phillip he's a, a cloud advocate for microsoft as long as we find ways to keep people out people 
that don't deserve to be left out are going to get left out. And we have to do everything in our power to connect with other people, whether they look like us or not. We have to start looking at skill sets and hiring for the skills that people have, not just, not just the papers that they have, not just the, you know, job experience that they have, but for the skills that they have. And I mean, for me, like, I've spent the last six years of my life talking. I've spent the last decade of my life training fools. Like I spent all my time in the military teaching people how to set up networks and typhoons because that's what we did. We set up networks and there were often typhoons. <laughs> networks and typhoons. Yeah. Like straight up, we had to set up a network and they were, it was like, all right, look, here's the deal. You got 36 hours before a category one typhoon is going to hit us and it's going to suck. But it's going to suck even more if we don't have a satellite connection with home base. So we need to do this. Like, this has got to happen because our orders are on the other side of this satellite connection. So if you mm. don't do your job, I'm going to get in trouble, which I don't want to deal with. But more importantly, there are going to be people that aren't getting food. So it is too important to make sure that people know what's going on and to understand the reasons why. So for me, like I treat everything that I'm doing, like this is an opportunity to meet people. This is an opportunity to see, like, I hope three years down the road, we're still having conversations and mm -hmm. that, you know, you're some senior, you know, senior full stack developer at Microsoft kicking it, just, just killing it right now. And then hopefully, all, and then all <laughs> of a sudden it's like, Hey, Microsoft is doing this thing where they want to invest in like black entrepreneurs or black you know podcasters or whatever put your name on this piece of paper don't ask why just do it <laughs> like or, or if the tables turn like you know if i'm in a position and i see someone that has a need like we have people in our community that have been job hunting for like years and it's not just like i have a job and i'm good it's like no i'm trying to get a job because like right now i'm staying with my moms and it's like mm -hmm. i see the work that they do i see the effort that they put in and it's like, when I see an opportunity that looks like it might fit them, I'm like, hey, man, did you apply here? Hey, did you check this out? Hey, does this look like a good fit? If not, let me know. Or, hey, I know somebody that works here. Maybe I can put in a word for you. Like, it's, we have to play the game like everybody else is playing the game. So for me, learning Python was secondary because I could have learned any language. It was how I learned Python that was so important. I learned it by making good friends honing my skills, asking tons of questions, and most importantly, being able to share what I've learned and ask the right people, the people that actually care that I know are going to go places. And from there, like they were able to, if they couldn't help me, they could get me in touch with someone that could. And then from there, that just expanded the bubble. Yeah. Yeah. You made, you raised good points there where it's just like, one, you made connections and not just like fake networking connections where I, like... I hate LinkedIn for that exact reason. Like, <laughs> like I don't go on LinkedIn at all, <laughs> but like you, you get to know and build relationships with people, um, especially people that are prominent in the Python community, which is great because I'm trying to do the same with JavaScript. Um, because I coming from a PHP background, um, and now switching to JavaScript, I don't know that much people in the JavaScript world. So 
right now I'm just trying to, I guess right now we're in COVID, but um, hopefully when things uh, open back up and there's, I guess, quote unquote, in-person meetups, um, I can actually meet people within the industry, form relationships, and then um, go from there. And yeah, as you said, we had to like play this game. Um, if I guess I, there's no, no other word to represent um, the game of trying to get a job or networking um, because it's it's like with these, um, I guess, algorithm type of tech interviews, it's just, it's not much about what experience you got or um, what have you done in the past. Um, whereas the algorithm uh, test mainly teach you how to memorize or how to so- how to memorize how to solve a problem a specific problem and it's like this is probably going to be a conversation for another podcast no but, dude, let's have um, it let's, this is your show bro i told you i'm here as long as you want me so this is your show to have the conversations let's have them but yeah the uh the the reason why most of these companies are doing tech interviews is because of Google, Amazon, Microsoft, and they utilize these algorithm type questions to weed out um, all these applicants. Um, more specifically, they're, they're weeding out good applicants just because maybe they had a bad day or something, um, which I hope uh, going forward, the industry changes a little bit um, and start stop relying on the Google slash Amazon tech interview format and go more towards um, code reviews, doing going over projects that you've done. Um, how did you architect something? What was your problems that you occurred? More something like related to your day-to-day work experience um, compared to just some algorithms that you're never going to use whatsoever. The the thing that, that I thought about there was, you know, the easiest way to get a job at Microsoft? Besides knowing someone that works at Microsoft? Yeah. The easiest way to get a job at Microsoft is to work for a company that gets acquired by Microsoft. Oh, yeah, that too. <laughs> yeah. Like, like straight up, I, I have a, like the, I want to say it was like the third inter, the, the third episode that I ever did on this podcast. Like, can't even get that conversation anymore. You got to check the internet archive for it. Like. I did an interview with a, a cat named Matthew Casanelli. Dude is like, dude works for Twit now. He's doing like podcast stuff for a living. Like that is his thing. At the time, he was working for Vayner Media, like Gary oh, Vayner. Nice. Yeah, like Gary Vayner. Gary v. Like, yeah, like he was just on their marketing team. Then got picked up by a small company called Workflow. They got acquired mm-hmm. by Apple, which became Apple Shortcuts. So then he became an an, an employee at Apple, and then was like, "Yeah, no, this ain't for me." <laughs> and then started doing his own thing again. So it was like it's it's that thing of like, there are so many ways to get in. Like, focus on getting in. Like, once you're in, it's good. Like, you're there, and and that's the mm-hmm. thing that that I have learned. And I agree with you. I, I think that there was, there's a lot of smoke that people are are pitching too. Because I had a conversation with a guy at uh, at Twilio, and mm-hmm. they were a developer advocate, and it was like, hey, I'm really interested in this developer advocate stuff. 
I see y'all giving talks. I see y'all live streaming. I see y'all like writing blog posts and stuff. Well, I write blog posts. I give talks. I got a podcast I've been running for five years. How do I get in? And they're like, well, you got to you gotta prove that you can code. It was like, okay, I built the platform that my podcast runs on. And they're like, so obviously I can code. And it's like, well, you need to get a job as a junior developer. And it's like, no. Like that's that's not the answer. Like wrong. <laughs> the the way you get into it is you find a company that needs a, a developer advocate and you go, look, I'm about to I'm about to like be a be a superstar for y'all. Like I'm about to literally put y'all on. Mm-hmm. And right now I'm still trying to do that. But what I've noticed is I've been having more and more important conversations in my life now because of the conversations that I had just asking the questions back then. Mm-hmm. Like I got accepted into the the Relay FM podcast mentorship group. And in my mind, it was like, I've been podcasting for five years. Why do I need to join like a mentorship group? And it was like, look, <laughs> hey dummy, this is the these are the people that are making a living podcasting full time get to know as many people as possible, not yeah. just in that industry, but also the people that are learning from them as well. Because like I said, Matthew Castanelli was interview number three for me. I was, it was the first podcast he had ever been on in his life. Now dude gets paid to do podcasts on a daily for one of the largest podcasting networks for technology in the world. Wow! And, and it's like, to, to announce like, hey, I'm joining this mentorship group and to have him be like, yes, this dude totally deserves this. He's going to be like, I'm telling y'all now, keep an eye out for him. It's going to be it. And like people start following you and all this stuff. And it's great because of a seed that you sow, you sowed like four years ago. Mm-hmm. And, and to me, that was the thing. Like the conversations that I have, I think of them as seeds almost. It's not necessarily like, I'm going to plant this seed, fertilize it perfectly. And like, I know that it's going to pay off and I know exactly when it's going to pay off. That's not the case. I want to sow into conversations that I think need to be had. I want to sow into people that need someone sowing in their life. Mm -hmm. And I want those same people doing the same for me the conversations that I have now are often like, look, you're coming in at a disadvantage already because you're not in the industry. Here's how we make you look like you're in the industry so that you get past the algorithmic interview check. The easiest Mm -hmm. way to get an interview is to know the person giving the interview. It's not to to be like, Oh, Hey, I'm going to, you know, let me, let me put this in. Like, I hate it when people are like, yeah, you need to lie on your resume. It's like, no, don't lie on your resume because then you it, all it shows is that you're a liar. Tell the mm-hmm. truth on your resume. You might want to word it so that you look good, but like tell the truth, but then invest in those relationships so that when someone can go, oh, hey, I know this company over here is looking for this type of developer. Or they're looking for a role here. And I happen to be friends with the person giving the interview. They, they, you know, I have weight with them. Let me set up an introduction. And to me, like doing that has gotten me more interviews in the last year 
than just blindly applying everywhere. Blindly applying means that a computer eliminates your your resume like machine learning will identify where you are and just keep (laughs) chopping you but having those conversations with people make it so that the only reason they need your resume is because there's an official process and and they can override that process but it has to start there Mm. yeah that's good um but yeah i think we can end on that note so all right let me let me stop my recordings all 37 of them hold on all 